With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 11 o'clock, welcome in. It is time for the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler Head and Chris Clark still along with you here in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Wes Mitchell will be joining us here a little bit shortly getting hung up. Uh, I believe he's hanging out with uh, with a recruit right now, so we will uh, get uh, him in here in a little bit. I want to kind of loop back to some of the stuff that we were talking about a little bit earlier as we did talk to Lenore Sellers, high school coach there at the beginning of the uh, Garnet Trust Hour. You and Wes got the opportunity to actually sit down with Coach Beamer recently talking about a number of things. I'm sure Lenore Sellers came up as well, but, you know, it's been a very, very busy offseason so far for Coach Beamer in the transfer portal. Obviously, bring in a really good recruiting class to change the coaching staff. Like a whole lot of things, going to look different for this team when the fall rolls around. It, it is. It is a <laughs> going to be. In some ways, there's a lot of familiarity. In some ways, there's a lot of newness. And yeah, I, I think today that over the next few days, whether it's here on the game, whether it's on GamecockCentral.com, we'll, on the Insiders Forum, we'll we'll get into more of our conversation with Beamer. But I mean, you bring up a good point. When you look at, you know, the recruiting class that South Carolina is bringing in, now, nowadays your recruiting class is high school and, and JUCO. You're still a little JUCO recruiting. High school and JUCO plus transfer portal. And when you combine the number of guys that South Carolina has on that front, I mean, it's, it's in the low 30s. So you're talking about bringing in 30-something new players to this team. And then even on the staff, right, so a lot of shifts on the coaching staff on the offensive and special teams side. No Pete Limbo, you bring in Joe D. Camillus. Um, you shift Justin Step over to a new position at tight ends. Jody Wright departs the staff. You bring in James Coley. You bring in Markwell Blackwell of Monteria Hardesty, dismissed at running backs coach. So a lot of newness there. And then on the defensive side, no on-field coaching changes. And that's actually something we talked with Beamer a little bit about yesterday, just um, the decision-making process. You know, kind of how do you assess that in real time and at the end of the season? And so obviously, if, you're, if you go five and seven, it figures you're going to tweak some things. Sure. You, you, don't, you, don't leave, you don't leave a season and go nine and three and say, man, everything was great. Heck, you probably don't win. You don't win your conference championship and said every single thing we did was outstanding, right? You're you're always as a coach, I think, looking at whether the season has gone good or bad. Hey, what can we make better? But the reality of the situation is, you know, when you go five and seven, more things have gone wrong, uh, more things need tweaking mm-hmm. than if you won eight or nine games or won your conference title, whatever it may be. And so kind of what is the process for that, right? And so there's a – it actually turned out that there's a variety of different ways that that happened. Some of it kind of took care of itself or, um, you know, you you shifted a coach on staff, you dismissed a coach. Um, A couple coaches left for head coaching opportunities. And then there can also be – and Shane Beamer has pointed this out. He pointed this out during our conversation 
and I think he said it during one of his press conferences. I don't remember if it's the signing day one or one of the other ones. But there can be tweaks and shifts within your program um, that aren't – it doesn't have to be dismissing a coach. Sure. Right? It can be – that. sometimes it rises to that level. It did at the running back's position. But sometimes it's just, hey, what went wrong and how can we get better? It is, is continuity better? But continuity with obviously some tweaks and changes in how we're approaching things um, schematically, or we, do we need to do some things different? I know that they looked at the weight program, the training program, kind of deep dive, and I think it was a little bit different this year, Tyler. To be because to be quite frank, not that things were perfect the first two years, but they did go from two wins to you know to six to right. to eight in the first couple years, and so. It's kind of just balancing all those things. Sure. And, you know, you bring up those records, and, and it's funny. We talk about this a lot, Terry and I do, where you kind of did things a little bit out of order. If you, say, won five games in year number one, then won seven games in year number two, and then, hey, you won eight games in year number three, like we're talking about, hey, you're moving in the right direction. We're yeah, not having any yeah. problems, and everything's good with staying status quo. But the fact that you took a little bit of a step back in year number three raised concerns for a lot of people, and there was obviously a lot of – conversation as the season was going along about about the defense and Clayton White and you know if he was going to be retained as the defensive coordinator and that was a lot the one thing that a lot of people almost expected to happen this Mm -hmm. offseason they decided not to do that again no real changes on the defensive side of things as far as um, personnel goes we did see them get better in the month of November change the scheme up a little bit you know implementing a little bit more 335 but I imagine, and I don't know if Beamer talked about this or not, but I imagine there was a lot of pressure, you know, not, not maybe not as internally, but from the outside noise and all that kind of stuff, which we know that Beamer pays attention to about, hey, you got to change something on defense. You got to fire your defensive coordinator. You got to go out there and get somebody better. And they ultimately decided to stay status quo on that. They did. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, Beamer's a guy that one of the things, he he's not one of these coaches that's going to get up and pretend to not know what day it is. Sure. Because I've just been in the office watching film in the dark. I've been so busy recruiting and watching film, yeah. a week's gone by and I didn't notice. Yeah, like he's not going to pretend he doesn't know what holiday it is or that a holiday, you know. Um, and so he he does, and he gets, he, he tweets more than some other coaches would. Sure. Some coaches aren't a, even on actually, Twitter. It's actually him tweeting. Like and we, it is him, We yeah. feel pretty confident in saying <laughs> that. It's not some staffer. Not just a, a staffer, yeah, a, a grad assistant. So he is more tuned into those things, and um, so so he sees a lot of that, right? But And, and he kind of brought that up during our conversation. It's not, you know, he, he, could, he could just – Say we went five and seven, so obviously that means we need to fire multiple coaches, or we need to fire all our coordinators, or we need to fire this many clean house, whatever. Because yeah, there are a lot of opinions out there. Now, could he ultimately have done that, made more changes in the staff in terms of the on-field staff, and we would that have been surprising? I don't think so. That that we that would have been understandable. Sure, you know. It would have been understandable versus, you know, after that, say they beat Tennessee and Clemson in 2022, if he had fired several coaches after that, that would have been surprising given the way the season ended. But ultimately he decided not to do that. And, you know, one of the things he talked about yesterday was not making a change for change sake, not just changing things to say, hey, look, masses, I I changed this, right? 
trying to see, hey, what what do we think we need to do to get better? Um, because there are practical effects to any move you make. And, and a lot of times it does come down, look, this is a results business. So sometimes you do have to make a coaching change, and that's best, even if there's fallout from that change. Maybe some of your players aren't happy about it. Sure. You know, whatever it may be. Now you have to consider recruiting, your current team, the transfer portal. Like, you got to consider all of those factors when you're making those decisions. And that's why, with how weird the college football calendar is now, there's really not a good time to make those decisions because, okay, let's say you fire a coach right after the season ends. Well, you have these recruits you're getting ready to sign in yeah. two weeks that have been committed to that coach and he was part of the recruiting process. Okay, well, you don't fire him then. Well, then you do it a month after the season's end. Well, now those guys are on campus and you've already brought in four or five guys out of the transfer portal that thought they're going to be playing for ex-coach or you do it, you know, too late in the process. And then, like, there's just – there's never a right time to do those kind of things. And I even brought up the point, you know, after a couple of weeks gone by at the end of the season where I felt like – hey, Clayton White's job's pretty safe if he hasn't been canned by now, and that ended up obviously being the case. But again, there's really no like right time to make those moves just because there's always something, there's always a consequence to that with how the college football calendar is structured. There is, and and so you got to balance those things. So ultimately, you know, it, it you know, and, and we all have to assess, you know, people will assess Shane Beamer based on what those moves are, you know, sure. and ultimately, you know what the measure of the moves will be. What's your win-loss record look right. like? That's ultimately what it is over the course of next season, you know, 2025, et cetera, et cetera. That will be the actual measuring stick. And and that's really the bottom line, not, you know. And so he did land on that at the running back position. You know, he landed on we need to make a change here. On the defensive side of the ball with strength and conditioning, with training, with, you know, spe- he told us there's some things on special teams as good as they've been the past three years, they looked at special teams. Hey, mm-hmm. we could do some things differently here. We've been thinking about some differences there, and so which I which I thought was interesting, but it also makes sense. So, I don't think any. It was it was I think a deeper dive even this year, and I'm gonna sound like Beamer when I say this. Not that they didn't assess the program before, mm-hmm. but he told us he was even more cognizant of it. You know throughout this not just end of season like throughout the season and there were some warning signs of it right they you know he he pointed to week f- after week five so at that point they were two and three they'd lost to georgia on the road um they had uh and then they lost to tennessee it lost obviously the opener versus unc yep and they had just lost to tennessee and that was a point where he started talking to some veterans on the team you know and trying to figure out you know, hey, what what do we need to change? What we need now that didn't lead even that that didn't lead to these great results because the week after they lost that game to Florida, then they lost two straight on the road, um, and so it was more about gathering feedback throughout the season and ultimately once they got to the end of the year where you're thinking more and more even in the midst of transfer portal, high school recruiting, the month of December, the craziness that that brings, where you're thinking about making those changes and so. Um, that's ultimately what he, you know, what he landed on. I mentioned the chaotic college football calendar. Um, I think most of us have forgotten tomorrow is actually National Signing Day, and yeah. in years past, be a big deal. And we're talking about, hey, all these guys that South Carolina is getting ready to sign. Everybody's in the boat. Everybody's here, pretty much for the most part. Like, I, it, I, I it, had there's I, really nothing to note for tomorrow. I thought about it 
like a few days ago. Right. Like the same thought. I'm going to be honest. I didn't even think about it today, yeah. which, you know, if this was, uh, I don't know, 2015, I would be like, Tyler, I can't come to the show. Today. You're, not, you're, too not busy. Get, you're not getting any sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah, there'd be no sleep. It was absolutely crazy. I mean, even last so year you had the now. Harbor thing. That was at least something to yes. like, which we weren't feeling great about it going into it. It obviously went South Carolina's direction, but like now, literally, this is a year where it's like, there's nothing. I mean, Carolina's got everybody they, they're going to get. Pretty much. Yeah, until here here's the actual the next quote unquote signing day for South Carolina, the spring transfer portal window. Yeah, you know, pretty much. I mean that's that's really you know, it's December. You know, some years, like you said, with Nick Carber, you may have you know, some holdovers that you're tracking in the month of February. But man, right now unless there's some surprise that Wes and I are gonna try to unearth, you know, throughout the day. Right. It there's doesn't seem like much to track here, which is crazy to think about. Well, it's crazy how much things change in just a couple of uh, couple of years. We're jumping to some men's basketball coming up next. Jamie Shaw of On3 going to join us to talk about the newly ranked South Carolina men at number 15. That's next. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head and Chris Clark along with you here in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Reminder, coming up tonight at 6 o'clock pregame coverage of men's basketball as they get set to take on Ole Miss Tip off coming at 6.30 as the men's basketball team looks to continue this run of success they've been on as of late. We now welcome in on the left Chevrolet phone lines, Jamie Shaw of On3 to talk a little bit about men's hoops. And and Jamie, this has been a point of conversation. First of all, thanks so much for joining us. This has been a point of conversation for us for the past couple weeks here with South Carolina finally getting into the top 25 yesterday at number 15. Are you surprised at all it took them that long to, to finally get a ranking? Uh, well, first off, Tyler, thank you very much for having me on. Um, always appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit surprising. I, I felt like the week before would have been the week that they uh, kind of broke through with it. Um, they've been, you know, skating through the season so far up to this point and, um, you know, missed out on the last week, but more than made up for it coming in at 15 um, this go around. Jamie, Chris Clark here. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. Again, on short notice, appreciate that. So, I want to get your personal ranking for South Carolina. You watch a lot of college basketball. I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, landed in the AP at 15. Tyler, help me out. Coaches poll 20. Uh, I think they were 20. Is that right? Where do you have them, Jamie? Do you, do you, is that about your range, somewhere around 15? Do you have them a little higher? Do you have them a little lower? Yeah, I, I, that range is pretty appropriate. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe even inching a little bit higher um, than – that number uh, 15 ranking. They got a couple blips on the radar. Uh, Clemson's had a little bit of struggle here lately, so that loss is looking, you know, not looking as good uh, each day. And then that the loss at uh, Alabama, the second half that they had there, just looking at the numbers um, from that, the end of the game, uh, wasn't great. You know, there's kind of the non-conference schedule was a little bit up and down uh, as well when it comes to talent-wise, but they played the teams in front of them and they beat them. And then looking at the resume, especially in SEC play, the win uh, versus uh, Kentucky, the win at Tennessee, um, you know, only three losses on the year, second in the SEC. I I think 15 is is a good number for them to be at, and I wouldn't be surprised if some people were to look at it that are a little bit more aggressive and possibly, you know, look a little bit higher. Yeah, it's a good point because, I mean, as as good as South Carolina has been, especially lately, and and they are – 
I mean, they've demonstrated they are a very good team and deserve that ranking. They're not the only good team, right, nationally. I mean, there's there's a bunch of other good ones, too. Jamie, are you, you know, another kind of on-the-spot question, like honesty hour thing, I, I, I admitted I actually kind of like this team coming into the season, and it, it was not a stretch to say, hey, I think this year's team will be better than last because there was some natural progression and improvement expected, but – I got to admit that this team has exceeded my expectations being able to, you know, go on the road and beat Tennessee and beat some of the teams they have, be as competitive as they have been. Has this team outplayed what you thought, you know, heading into this season? Oh, I mean, w- without question. I mean, I, I put out my preseason SEC and I had them 14th in the league, um, like most others did as well. Um, even looking at it from the outside, um, looking in, you just didn't really know what to expect. Um, last year ended up as a little bit of a disaster uh, down the stretch. You lose a player to the NBA who's having a really good rookie year in the NBA right now um, and, and, you know, bring in new players, new pieces uh, from varying situations. There's just kind of a whole bunch of unknown surrounding uh, the program leading into the season. Um, they quickly have uh, created an identity for themselves. You already have John Calipari t- calling them the, the best defensive team in the league. Um, and, and they're creating an identity around not only that defense, and but toughness, just just toughness. And as they sit right and now, and that's taking them a long way. Oh, sorry about that. Um, and as they sit right now, one game behind Alabama in the SEC overall standings for the regular season. They do have tough games coming up. One tonight against Ole Miss. Got to go on the road to Auburn next weekend. Do have a rematch with Tennessee down the road. But I feel like the South Carolina team has earned the benefit of the doubt, where you can't doubt them in any of these games and I know that does involve Alabama having to lose a few more to potentially jump them but this is a team that could seriously be the SEC overall regular season champion here in a couple of weeks the um the, the league is tough you can go into any single night and lose a game even if it's Vanderbilt or Missouri the teams that are at the bottom of the conference you have an off night they have an on night the conference SEC is filled with good coaches and professional NBA players. So it's a tough league. It's a gauntlet. Anybody can lose on any given night. But with what they've done through the first half of conference play, you have to believe that they're going to be in every single game um, that they play moving ahead, you know, be it Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee. um, You know, they they, they do have a chance. I think the goal for this team is to get a first-round bye in the SEC tournament. If they get that first-round bye – you know, they can go for there. Maybe they two buys. Maybe they finish higher than that. But I think if they get a first-round buy uh, in the SEC tournament, this has been a successful season. You, you mentioned team identity, Jamie. That's a great point with just the defense. And I think another hallmark of this team is that they're not so dependent on one player. Like last year, to, to win a big game or to be be in a big game, it kind of had to be a, a Michi Johnson goes off night or a Gigi Jackson goes off or, or probably both of them at once. This year, Michi can go 0 for 9 and you can win a game. Or you, you never really know where it's going to come from. It might come from B.J. Mack one night. Another night, it might not come from B.J. Mack at all, and it's Talon Cooper. They just have so many different guys. But, but what do you attribute this team's success to? Is it just that they have so much versatility and have so many guys that can do different things? Is it, is it the experience? I mean, how do, how do you see that? Uh, you bring up a great point. I mean, I think that's a very unique factor for this South Carolina team is they've had five players lead them in scoring 
uh, this season between uh, Michi, BJ, uh, Talon Cooper, Miles Studi, um, and Colin Murray Boyles. All, all, all five of them have led the team uh, in scoring. I, I think that they have all bought in to kind of the culture of the program, moving the ball, uh, not taking, giving up a good shot for a great shot, getting open looks, and especially on the defensive end of the floor. Um, you know, it, it could be tough to game plan for a team when you have five different guys who, um, you know, can be the go-to guy that specific night, especially when you have four or five guys coming off the bench as well. Um, but it can be difficult because not all five guys, heck, not even three guys a lot of times are going to be having off nights. So you keep the ball hot, keep it moving, get a great shot. Um, but then especially establish yourself on the boards and play defense. Keep the other team from scoring. You have a good chance of winning. And talking to Jamie Shaw of On3 about this men's basketball program and mentioning all those names and a lot of guys that came into the transfer portal as Lamont Paris legitimately rebuilt the entire starting lineup with the exception of Michi Johnson for the most part via the portal. Which of those guys has surprised you the most with what they've been able to do at South Carolina so far? I think Lamont Paris went out, and I think he did two things. He, he did he, he brought in guys that he was familiar with, you know, guys like Stephen Clark, B.J. Mack that he played against and, and knew that they would fit into his style of play and what he was trying to do. And I think he also went out and brought in players that wanted to be at the University of South Carolina and represent the Gamecocks, uh, and they wanted to do that. Um, and I think bringing in both of those things was imperative to building the culture surrounding the team that he wanted to have um, this season. Um, I think everybody's bought in to, uh, to to everything that they're doing. I don't think there's any, been any one specific player because there have been games when Michi's been spectacular and there's been games when he's off. There's been games when B.J. Mack, especially here lately, when he's been great. But there's been games when he's been off. Talon Cooper, the same thing. Um, I think the steady hand of Talon Cooper coming down the stretch of games has been huge for the team. Um, you know, I think last five minutes of the game, you can rest assured that Talon Cooper is not going to turn the ball over. And when he gets an open look, he's going to knock down the shot. Um, I, I think, you know, Michi's being able to touch the paint. I think BJ being able to play around the basket. Miles Studi's coming up uh, clutch. Or I think, you know, Colin Murray Boyles, we're just now seeing him get his sea legs back after missing Mono, uh, the first part of the season with Mono. I think he's just now getting kind of his sea legs back and getting everything uh, together to where his best basketball is going to be ahead of him as well. Um, and then you have Zach Davis stepping up off the bench and all that type of stuff. So uh, I guess bringing it back in to answer your question, I don't think there's been any one player that's been a surprise, but I think the collective whole as to what they is to put together um, has been uh, the biggest eye-opening part of the season. Jamie, real quick, couple more minutes here. Uh, tonight, a, a good Ole Miss team uh, comes to Colonial Life. W- what, do you, what do you see in terms of this matchup? How do the Gamecocks look? playing against the Rebels? Well, I think it'll be very interesting because I, I think I, – I don't know which way to think about it. I think this could be a very bad matchup for Ole Miss or I think it could be a bad matchup for South Carolina. I'm not quite sure as to which way it's going to go. Uh, neither – both teams are a little bit more deliberate with their offensive type stuff. Um, you know, you got Ole Miss that's averaging right at 77 points per game, South Carolina right at 73 points per game. So neither team is really trying to get up and down the court and play fast. Kind of where some of the differences are is Ole Miss is a very good three-point shooting team. Uh, I think they're almost 39% from three um, as a team, which is 13th, top 15 in the country, um, three-point percentage. But then you also look at their length that they have around the basket. Jamarian Sharp was number one in the NCAA last year in block shots, and they backed him up with Musa Cisse, um, who led the Big 12 in block shots um, two years in a row, uh, 21, 22, and 23, uh, 
22-23. So they have a lot of length and a lot of presence around the basket, but they also have a lot of three-point shooting. They look to get the ball up. Uh, everything is kind of spearheaded from Jalen Murray, their point guard. Um, you know, he's the one that kind of touches the paint and gets everything going really aggressive at the point of attack, um, but can also shoot the ball as well. Um, so he's kind of the catalyst of everything they have going on. He likes to spray the ball around. They have four guys that can make a three-point shot um, around the perimeter. Uh, versatile guy, Jalen uh, Brakefield, who can um, guard multiple positions, rebound, push the ball, and then a lot of length around the basket. Um, so it'll be interesting to see as to how, you know, uh, South Carolina's defense, top 15 defense in the country, um, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, they can dictate the pace of the game. Absolutely. Appreciate your insight, Jamie. Again, thanks so much for joining us on short notice. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Right. Jamie Shaw on three. We'll dive more into tonight's matchup with South Carolina and Ole Miss next here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 40-36. Murray Boyles drives. Hangs in the air. Shot up and good. Boy, what a tough shot. Clean of foot. Just first step quick out of the high post. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyra Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you. Here on your Tuesday morning, that was a call on Saturday. Colin Murray Boyles with the layup, one of his or two of his 16 points uh, in the game against Georgia. South Carolina looking to continue the momentum as they take on Ole Miss tonight at home. Pre and cover starting at 6:30, or excuse me, six o'clock tip off at 6:30 right here on the game. And when you look at this matchup on paper, two very similar teams, also two teams that were doubted by a lot of people coming into the season, obviously. Uh, Ole Miss making the change in the offseason with Chris, uh, or excuse me, Kermit Davis getting fired, bringing Chris Beard after um, him being, um, you know, fired at Texas a season ago. They were projected to be about 10th in the SEC standings. They started off the year 13-0 and in non-conference play. And been a little back and forth as far as uh, games and conference have gone so far, but still a team that's very much in the mix at the top of the standings in the SEC. And another one that South Carolina is going to have to deal with coming up tonight. What's up, guys? How you doing? I'm Thanks good. for joining us. Yeah. I was working, so let's we just, believe you. Let's just put that. Uh, I actually have physical proof. So, but um, man, is it cliche to talk about the fact that South Carolina, after seeing on social media how they should be ranked, and the and the guys honestly have been pretty open about paying attention to it as well. Mm. Is it cliche to say that now they? Um, have to deal with actually getting a little bit of love, like is or, or is it just about going and playing basketball and like do, do y'all do y'all buy into that mental aspect of something like this? Uh, I think there's a degree of it. They're certainly not the doubted team that they were just a couple weeks ago. Where oh nobody's loving us, nobody's paying attention to us. Like no, you're getting the attention. They're talking about you on the national shows. You got a number next to your name, so that's not necessarily there anymore to places a chip on your shoulder necessarily. I don't expect it to change too much. Um, I don't think this is a team of guys that's going to get overly cocky or overly confident. Um, I mean, if they were going to get cocky about something, beating Tennessee or, uh, excuse me, Kentucky a couple weeks ago and then going and laying an egg that Saturday, I think of that game was against Missouri, would have been like, oh, well, that's a team getting overconfident and, you know, being cocky after a win. Like, they've proven time and time again that, you know, they can deal with, you know, the hype and all that kind of stuff and continue to play their brand of basketball, and I expect them to do the same thing tonight. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say is we – both times, after both big wins, everybody has kind of been in the back of their head probably thinking, uh, you know, the most South Carolina thing ever because these fans have been conditioned – uh, I feel like the most South Carolina thing ever would be to 
to win this big game and then drop a, a, a game you're supposed to win. And, you know, I, I think even like going to Athens, that there was debate from people outside of, of Columbia about whether South Carolina or Georgia should be favored in that game, you know, and the, the ESPN sort of uh, basketball version of FPI had Georgia favored. Mm-hmm. But uh, South Carolina goes in, is trailing in the first half, and, and just takes care of business in the second half. I It just seems like such a veteran group that that, that doesn't mean you're going to play well every time you go out there. You could just have an off night, but you don't really get the sense that if they do have an off night, that it will be because of them just filling themselves too much and being too bought into the hype. But I do want do you do you still go in? Do you kind of manufacture a little bit of a little bit of that what they've been feeding off of? Do you like I said, print off Seth Davis's top twenty five? Do you print off the AP top twenty five and say they didn't even have our logo? Only school. They didn't even Only have our logo on. But didn't get a logo on the top twenty five. How how they, deep they, are we taking in this? They thing? were so unprepared for you to be ranked. They didn't even bother pulling up the yep. C with the Gamecock in it. They don't even have it. Not not a conspiracy theorist, y'all. And I'm not a, oh, they're out to get my team person. But, dude, after all after all the chatter about South Carolina and the top 25, and maybe it's just some glitch within their system on the, on the back end of it, but after all this chatter, how did Seth Davis forget to put Carolina in the top 25? And how did the system not have a logo attached to Carolina's name? It's, like, it's literally the only one. It's so there's the other a, ones you the, can you can they're there and you can click on them. But are the other ones the other ones been in the top twenty five? Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter though. I think for the most part, I'm just trying to figure out why it could have happened. Well, did. regardless, that there's your disrespect card. That's that what you I'm can saying. Play, print that at least for this. Print week. that off. Print it. Circle it. Yeah, but I th- I think you made seriously. You made a good point that I actually, if you didn't say it, I was going to say it. Like, you don't worry about this team. Like, if there was a team, I don't know. The first example I can think of is, like, a Kentucky team of past. Because Cal recruits freshmen every year. A lot of them are one and done. Then Then he complains in a press conference that he has a young team, whatever. But... That was my little shot at Kentucky. Plays about everything. About everything. Doesn't sh- if he even shows up because he didn't show up to the radio show the other night when they lost. But like, if you had a team that was super young, you might say, "Ooh, how are they going to deal with this success?" Well, you've got these guys have played lots of basketball, only one year here together at South Carolina, but you have a bunch of really, really experienced guys for the most part. You know, Colin Murray Boyles is a freshman; he hasn't played a lot of basketball. But most of these guys, I mean, you got several seniors. You got several guys that have played multiple seasons of high-level college basketball. And just from what you see, and they kind of take on Lamont Paris's personality, we've talked about it all year. They don't get too up or down. When they're losing, they don't fall off a cliff. and just They've had one instance where they weren't very competitive in the second half of a game against right. Alabama. Other than that, they've been just kind of even-steven the whole, the whole year. Speaking of rankings, they're actually one place above Alabama, who's at 16. I, that was kind of my bar for how high they could go. I thought there was no way they were going to be able to jump ahead of them, but maybe that's some of the voters making up for not putting them in the week before, saying, hey, you know what, we'll give you a bone, be a spot ahead of Alabama at 15. Kind of like uh, 2017, South Carolina had basically, 
they got left out of the tournament the the year before for no reason whatsoever, and then they're like, uh, we're we're gonna put you in Greenville this year. Sorry about to, that. To, Home game to make up for it, and ended up working out obviously. But I, I you know, I, I think on the court though, like Jamie Shaw, who we had on earlier, was talking about. I mean, from what I can tell, this Ole Miss team, like they can shoot it. Like this, this is a game. If you're South Carolina, if you have those stretches, which they they don't have these stretches as much as we've seen from some past South Carolina teams, but like any team, they have these stretches where shots just aren't falling. And I feel like if you're South Carolina, you can't let yourself get in that mindset of feeling like you have to just go outshoot Ole Miss. You know, I, I feel like sometimes there's a mindset if another team's hitting a lot of outside shots, it's, oh, I can match that. They're... they're to me, their goal should be just to keep doing what they do, even if they're down in this game early. We we saw it against Georgia. Not that it's the same matchup, but G- Georgia hits what like seven of their first ten from three. Yep. And you know you're just like, wow, they they've come out hot. But you kind of knew, at least you thought the other shoe will drop. Like Georgia's not going to hit that many threes at that efficient clip in the second half. Ole Miss maybe he's going to hit it a little bit better overall clip than, than Georgia, but still for Carolina at home with your crowd, not letting them go on runs and then just not feeling like you have to match them three for three is, uh, I think, a, a big key in this game. And again, that uh, game coming up tonight, pregame coverage 6 o'clock, uh, tip-off time coming at 6.30 right here on the game Thursday. Got Carolina calls with Coach Paris at 6 o'clock. That'll lead you right into coverage of women's basketball starting at uh, 7 o'clock pregame coverage for that game starting at 6.30 on our sister station ESPN uh, WISW. We'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. It's along with you. Few more minutes here on the game, Lorna 75 game app and stream as always on the game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. One more reminder about the Balls and Strikes Valentine's Weekend Contest brought to you by Hilton Garden Inn. It's your chance to win tickets for the season opening baseball series next Saturday or next Friday through Sunday, excuse me, February 16th or 18th at Founders Park against Miami of Ohio. You also get a two night stay Friday and Saturday at the Hilton Garden Inn right here in Columbia on Gervais Street. And the Garden Grill at the Hilton will feed you breakfast as well as a pregame meal. Go to 1075game.com and enter for your chance to win the Balls and Strikes Valentine's Weekend Contest brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn. I want to kind of loop back around what Wes and I, excuse me, Chris and I were talking about at the top of the show. You guys both sat down with Beamer recently. And in fact, we talked with Lenore Sellers, high school coach, a little bit earlier on in the Garnet Trust Hour as well. This is going to be a very interesting offseason because you do have question marks at the quarterback spot. We assume it's going to be Lenora Sellers' uh, job when the fall rolls around, but it's still going to be an open competition. Robbie Ashford obviously coming in from Auburn at the uh, transfer portal. And these next couple months, including spring ball here coming up very soon, going to be very pivotal on who's going to be the start of this fall. Yeah, and we're, we're kind of used the last couple of years to it, it was just known Spencer Rattler was, was going to be the starting quarterback. And so you, you do have a bona fide recruiting battle you go back Beamer's first year, that was the case, and it, it kind of um, early on was a battle. Then it seems like, Chris, do you, do you remember when they locked in Doty as the starting quarterback? Mm. No, that's a good one. I, I think, I it's think been it, too long, Wes. Yeah, it has. Passed my threshold. 
I, I think every coach handles these things differently, and some of it depends on, hey, how how much you're trying to push a guy to keep working. How much do you want to maybe empower the leadership ability of a player? And so I'm going to have some quotes from Beamer on Gamecock Central later today, but the, the one kind of just interesting note or maybe two interesting notes was he said that Lenoris Sellers will get the first snap in practice. So, you know, when the ones go out there, Lenoris as the quarterback who's been there the longest, believe it or not, and with Luke Doty concentrating on playing more wide receiver, Lenoris gets the first rep. At that point forward, it's up to, to everybody to fight it out for the starting spot. And Beamer uh, actually went out of his way to say how well Robbie Ashford has sort of entered the room as well in terms of just getting acclimated with his teammates. And really that both those guys ha- have been strong leaders so far. He said Sellers is trying to, uh, you know, become more of a leader of this team after kind of being you, – you can't lead a team as a true freshman. Right playing behind Spencer Rattler and, to an extent, Luke Doty and Tanner Bailey at times last year. So he is trying to take that next step into, hey, this is my team, which I I think is a good sign for Sellers. Beamer, Chris, made it a point to say they're not anointing anyone yet either at that position. But Sellers gets rep one. Well, that makes all the sense in in the world. In practice, yeah, yeah, not in the game. Um, Tyler, would you like to make some sort of insult towards the first opponent today? Or are you gonna? Uh, stay you know, we have an entire off season okay. to disrespect right. the monarchs, so All I right. got to build we'll, up some good. We'll stuff. leave it for there, but but it makes total sense, right? He, it is weird to say Lenore Sellers, the veteran of the quarterback room, but that is the case, and so uh, in terms of here at South Carolina, and. Wes, I mean, all indications are this is going to be a legitimate competition. Um, so it makes sense to give Lenoris rep number one because he's been here um, for a year in this offense. I have no doubt it is a legitimate competition. I, I told Tyler earlier, I think at the end of the day, at whatever point that is, maybe it's midway through the spring, maybe it's after spring, maybe it's the summer, maybe it takes till preseason, I don't know. I think Sellers is going to be the guy, but there's there's no doubt that the staff is not going into this uh, into the spring saying, hey, it's Lenoris's job no matter what happens in practice. That's not the case. This is going to be one of those annoying situations, I can already tell, where <laughs> it, it, it's a competition, and the coaches talk about it like it's a competition, and then people are going to tell you, well, it's not a real competition. <laughs> Sellers, is, Sellers will be the guy. And then when Sellers is the guy, people are going to say, I told you so. I told you it wasn't a competition, which yeah. is – a non sequitur there that it's not that's not exactly that doesn't prove that it wasn't a competition basically just because he wins it doesn't mean he didn't have to earn it and I I do think like Chris said I I think you'll find very few people who kind of know what's going on who would say who would predict someone other than Sellers to win it but he does still have to go do it and I, I think there's still quite a bit of upside with Robbie Ashford as well when you take his athletic ability and then put him with Dow Loggins, what progress can he make in the passing game with an NFL coach in Loggins, I think will be an intriguing storyline to watch as well. So he he's here to compete. Nothing's going to be handed to him. But, yeah, if you're going to predict it, 
chances are sellers will probably end up being your guy. Well, we have an entire offseason to break it down before South Carolina takes on uh, Old Dominion in week number one. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show, myself and Terry Ford coming up next right here on the game. Before we hand the reins over, let me tell you about one more of our great sponsors. It's our friends at Classic Roofing, offering residential and commercial roofing services throughout Columbia, South Carolina, and the surrounding areas. My friends Joe Reeder and Max Sawyer, they're both longtime residents of the Palmetto State. They've got families who live here, and they want to take care of any and all of your roofing needs. Give them a call.